divide in our country? Now, I'm not uh, referring to the continental divide, but I'm talking about the, the divide that exists among people. We, we hear it in our politicians. Sometimes we see it in our cities as we see the haves and the have-nots and, and see a division there. Or if you just look around and, at people, you, you see the divisions maybe between race and culture and, and other things. There is a divide in our world, in our country. Now, as big as those divides may be, and sometimes uh, the agitation that comes with it, there is still one other divide, one that is a concern to God, the divide between people and God. And God is concerned about that and wants us to know about it because he also gives some, gives, gives some instruction to us as to what he wants us to do about that divide. Today, we're going to talk about that great divide as we listen to one more of Jesus' life stories, a parable that he told for us to learn from. The story that we're going to study today is the familiar story of the rich man and poor Lazarus. And the point that we want to make with it is simply this, about loving others. Loving others in the name of Christ. Let's listen to this story from the lips of Jesus as Luke records it for us. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores, and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. Now, some people stop the story there, and they think this is picturing the great divide between the rich and the poor and those who suffer and, and those who live in luxury, and that needs to be corrected. But that was not the point of Jesus' story. Listen as Jesus goes on. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm, a great divide has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. 
Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said. But if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. And he said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. That was the end of Jesus' story. When I started this series of messages this summer on these life stories from Jesus, I I put the simple question to you, why did the chicken cross the road? And the answer, of course, is to get to the other side. But let me twist that question a little bit or ask another one. And what, what if that chicken can't get across the road? What if there's a, a big ditch there and he can't get to the other side? Well, you might say we have to figure out a way for him to, to get around that ditch or, or to go over that ditch somehow, build some kind of a bridge. Now, we're familiar with bridges in this area because... We need them to cross the big divide of water to get from one end of the land to the other end. And so a lot of attention and a lot of engineering and a lot of effort has been put into constructing these marvelous bridges in our area. In fact, a lot of attention was given just to the particular pieces itself to construct those bridges so that they work. Some people who are familiar with this story of the rich man and Lazarus think that Jesus is talking about the division that is there in the social classes, the haves and the have-nots, those who are suffering and those who don't, and those who should be helping those who are suffering. But that was not the main point of the story. There indeed is a great divide that God wants us to see. And that divide is something he wants us to do something about. That divide really is between him and people. And the difference, the result is the divide between heaven and hell. That's what God calls us to look and see and do something about. And it's simply this. Love others in the name of Christ. From Jesus' story, I think we can gather two points that we can use to demonstrate love. The first was to give people help that they need. Now, it's interesting that here was this rich man who has it all, right? Jesus said he's living in luxury every day. He's got no cares, no concerns. But right at his very doorstep, there is somebody who is suffering, who needs help. And this guy doesn't seem to pay any attention or have any care or concern for him. The first step in in giving people help is to see what their situation is. Jesus himself spoke about this a number of times. You might be familiar with these words that Jesus spoke when he describes what it will be like at the judgment scene of God when before him are gathered all people, and he is speaking to those on his right. He's speaking to those who trust in him as their Savior. He'll say these words. I was hungry, 
and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in? Or, or needing clothes and, and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go and visit you? Do you remember Jesus' answer? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. With those words, Jesus is reminding us that our response to the gift of his love, his care and provision for us, his saving us, forgiving us, is that we are going to love others. We're going to see what their need is and give them help. The Apostle James spoke of the same thing. When to his congregation he wrote these words, Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, Go in peace, uh, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. So James is encouraging us to, to let our faith show. It's alive by the grace of God. Now let that grace of God show through our actions with others. And, and Peter tells us what the result could be. Peter says, Live such good lives among the pagans, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. You see what they're getting at? It's not just helping people according to their physical need, but also seeing that there is a deeper need that needs to be met. And so after we see what their situation is, we want to lead them to a solution. Now as the people of God, we recognize that God wants us to see what people's greatest need is, and that is to know him and his love. In fact, that's really the main point of this parable. Jesus was not just pointing out, look at this poor Lazarus, he's suffering, and look at this rich guy here and nothing is being done. He didn't say that at all. He said, look what happened to them when they died. Lazarus went to heaven and the rich man to hell. Now, nowhere does it say that that rich man went to hell because, you know what, he had it good here. So now he deserves to suffer. And poor Lazarus, he had such a terrible life. He now deserves to have it good. No, the scriptures are real clear, aren't they? That those who go to heaven, it's by their faith in Jesus as their Savior from their sin. And those who go to hell, it's because they've rejected that loving grace of God. So the point really is, don't love the world and forsake God. Now, while this parable points out one who is suffering and one who lives in luxury, it doesn't really tell us what needs to be done 
to give us that, to give others help. But there are other scriptures that do tell us what we ought to do. And here's a good one that establishes for us a, a basic guideline. The words of the Apostle Paul from Galatians 6, where he says, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. That law of Christ is love others. For each one should carry their own load. Now, if you look at those two statements that I have underlined, it looks like a contradiction, doesn't it? He starts off by saying, carry each other's burdens, and each one should carry his own load. The difference is in the word burden and load. Two different words in the Greek language. The word burden meant something that somebody is going through that they have to carry through life, and it's too hard, too heavy to carry on their own. In other words, they need help. The other one, when it says carry their own load, it's a different word. It's referring to something, yes, that's heavy, but manageable. Something that they can carry on their own. And so from this, we see a pretty basic principle about how to give help to others. You can give help by using a giving hand, that is, where you are helping those who need the help. And then another option is to use the guiding hand, one that will enable, one that will empower others to be able to carry their own load. This, in fact, was a principle that God had already laid out in the Old Testament. In the book of Leviticus, where God had laid out all the various laws for the people to follow, there was one for farmers, where he said, they are to go out and gather their harvest from the fields, but they were to leave some behind for the poor, who, when the farmers had finished their work, could come in then and gather what was left over for themselves. You see what God was saying? He wasn't saying, just take it in and just give it away then to those who don't have it. No, he was saying, enable them to come in and to use their abilities to help themselves so that they will see the blessings God has given them and have gratitude toward God. So this story obviously lays out for us, lets us see there is a divide that God is concerned about in people, between him and them. And he wants us to bridge that gap. One way to start is by giving them help. Look at their situation, and then lead them to a solution. Yesterday morning, about four in the morning, my son came into our bedroom and he said, Dad, there's a rat in the living room. Now, if you have trouble waking up to your alarm clock, you might want to get a voice like that, because when you hear that, you jump out of bed. And so I told him, well, get the dogs and keep them in the bedroom and close the door because I don't want them running out there and chasing that rat. So we got him in the bedroom and he closed the door. And then I said, but you have to come out of the bedroom and help me. So we walked down the hall in the house. You know, it's all dark. So we go down the hall to the living room and we both just looked around the corner. Yeah, there in the middle of the floor is this dark thing. And I said to my son, 
how, how, did, how did you see him? How did, how did you find out he was there? What were you doing? Walking through the living room, going to the restroom? No, I was in the kitchen. It's four in the morning. What are you doing in the kitchen? He says, I'm looking for a flashlight. A flashlight? What do you need a flashlight for? He said, well, my cell phone fell out of my bed and I can't find it. And I didn't want to turn the light on to wake my brothers. And there's a point behind that, trust me, in a minute. I said, oh, okay, okay, okay. We have to figure out what to do here. I'm thinking, what can I do? I can't walk past this rat because he'll probably run. I can't go outside to get the shovel to hit him because I can't get to the back door. What am I going to do? Ah, there's this box in the front room. I'll get that and throw it on him. So I go get the box and I go out there and I say, okay, I'm going to go in. Now I want you to close that hallway door because I don't want that rat running down the hallway into the bedrooms. So my son closes the door and then again I have to say, but you get on this side of the door because I want you to help me. So I get closer and closer and ready to take my Steph Curry shot and put that box on top of that rat. Now, there's a couple of points from this story that I want to emphasize. And you remember the rat story, but I want you to remember the points. And I'll give you those points in a second, but I know you want me to finish the rat story. So, so I get real close to him, maybe three feet away, and this thing isn't moving. And I'm looking at it. And then I turn to my son and say, turn on the light. <laughs> and he goes, no, he's going to run. <laughs> and I said, turn on the light. He turns on the light. I said, look, it's one of the dog's toys. <laughs> okay, but here are the points now behind that story. Beside the fact I told my son, you know what, you get the old man up at 4 in the morning on a false alarm, this is going public. <laughs> But here are the points behind that story. My son, even though he was in error, could have simply said, oh, I'm going back to bed. <laughs> or he could have come and told me, and I could have said, you know what, I am not getting up to chase a rat at 4 in the morning. Just leave it, I'll get it in a couple hours. We could have ignored it. No, there was obviously a need that had to be addressed. And that's the first point. When we see people who are in need, it should be addressed. And it starts with how we view those people in need, to recognize that they have been created by God in his image, and God loves them. And they have been redeemed by Jesus, who is the Savior of the world. Let's not turn the other way and say, oh, I'll take care of it some other time. What can I do to address that need? Now, here's the second point. Yes, my son was an error, but I was an error too in that I thought if I just throw this box on him, it's solved. And then I got to thinking, well, then what am I going to do? So now I have this box on top of a rat in the living room at 4 in the morning. How am I going to get deal with this? How am I going to get him out of there? I had no second step. Sometimes... We're ready to take that first step and just give people some help and we think we've solved the problem when we really haven't. What we need to do is realize there are, there are more steps that need to be taken and that our goal is to share the love of God in the name of Christ. You notice in your bulletin this morning this little uh, goldenrod sheet 
called a little talent survey. It's pretty simple, actually. There's an organization uh, in our country that helps churches, and there's one uh, right here in San Jose called Love, Inc., and the INC stands for In the Name of Christ. What they do is simply put the word out to people in the community that they are there to help them in their need. And they invite churches to tell this company what they have people who are willing to do to help others. And then they simply make the connection, and that's, that's as far as they go. The rest of it, the ministry part, is up to us. That is to extend help to them, but in the name of Christ. And I'll talk more about that in a minute. Now, we were connected with this organization a couple of years ago. Uh, they uh, went on hiatus for about a year because they needed to reorganize, and now they're up and running again. And we want to present this opportunity uh, to you. We did it a couple of years ago. Uh, we had people who signed up, and uh, they did. They helped people in the community. And uh, what's going to happen is if you're interested in, 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 in doing any of these things, and, and you can at any time say, no, I'm not available right now. I can't do it. That's okay. But if at some time, if you are contacted and could help out, this is a way to connect people to Christ, which I'll talk about in a minute. Um, now, next week, Sunday, the uh, gentleman who is the head of the organization is going to be here, and after church, after this service at 1230, uh, he's going to provide a, a nice lunch for you, and you can come and just listen to how the program works, and if you want to take the next step with, with having them have your name and stuff on file, then they contact us, and then we contact you and try to connect you with somebody who is in need. So you can look that over, think that over. And you can fill it out today or during the week. Uh, but if you think you're going to come, you might want to let me know. Uh, email me or call me so that we know how much uh, pizza to have or whatever it is we're eating uh, for that meeting. But the purpose is, you see, we want to bridge that gap. We want to get in touch with people to give them help. But here's the second point. We want to give them hope. You know what's interesting in this story about Jesus that Jesus told. The rich man goes to hell and, and Lazarus goes to heaven. Now, what if in that story that rich man had actually reached out to Lazarus and established a relationship and Lazarus could have shared his faith with the rich man so he would have known about his Savior and gone to heaven? You see, there was a need there, yes, that Lazarus had, but the greater need was the need that the rich man had. He needed to know Jesus. That was really the point of Jesus' story. The rich man is in hell. Judgment has come for him, and there is no second chance. And that's a real disturbing picture, isn't it? Here is this guy who was this close to somebody who knew God, but now is suffering an eternity in hell. And the thing is, you know what? That picture could be any of us. All of us deserve that punishment because of our sin. But God in his love and his grace provided us salvation through Jesus. And we won't experience that because we know and we trust in the salvation Jesus gives us. And that's what we want to do. People have needs. And their greatest need is to know the Lord. To know what he has done to save them. Now, it's interesting in Jesus' story, 
how the rich man thinks it can be accomplished, not for him anymore, but for his brothers. He says, send Lazarus down. Boy, if they see somebody come back from the dead, they will repent. And the answer back is, they have the law, Moses, and the prophets. In other words, they have God's word. Listen to that. And the rich man argues back, no, 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 no. If they see someone come back from the dead, that'll get them. And the reply back is, no, it won't. Because if they're not going to believe the word, they're not going to believe a miracle either. And with that, Jesus is reminding us of a very important truth, that we share the message of salvation when we share the word of God. Because faith comes from hearing the message. The message is heard through the word of Christ. We want to share Jesus, which means we've got to share the word. The reason we want to share Jesus is because Jesus is the only hope. It's his perfect life that replaces our sinful life, and we have his obedience through faith in him. It's his death that takes away our guilt and removes the penalty that we deserve. It's his resurrection that assures us of our eternal life and our resurrection of this body. It's the only hope there is. Now, there are ways for us to share that hope. It first starts with this realization that Christ is the bridge of that great divide. And just using the name Christ, I can give you six simple steps that we need to follow. First is to have a caring heart. And when we see people's needs and see what we can do, then to reach out and to help them. We're doing that with our, our prison ministry, for example. Yesterday I was there and, and being able to reach out to prisoners and through our, uh, our, our ministry we've been able to provide things that they need like toothpaste or deodorant or shampoo or even little snacks. And they wonder, who is this church that's doing this? And then we connect them to Bible studies. And we've got a couple dozen guys now doing Bible studies behind the walls. Because we started with showing we care and we want to help. And the key there is we want to build relationships with people. It's not just a matter of, there, I, I cut somebody's lawn, or I, I helped fix somebody at their house, something at their house, or I provided food for them. No, it's, it's now building a relationship that we get to know them so that we can get them to know God. And that might mean then that we share some interests with them and, and become involved with them, have a, that relationship with them, so that at a point we can share our faith. What it is that gives us hope, which means finally we're going to talk about the Savior. I have to confess that every time I walked through the living room yesterday and saw something on the floor, my thought was, is that a rat? even though it was a false alarm, that event made such an impression on my brain that that's how I was thinking, that must be a rat. Anytime we see a divide among people, whether it's because of politics or culture or race or whatever it is, let us be reminded of the greater divide that exists between people and God. And let's be reminded of what Jesus has told us with this life story to bridge that gap.
with him to love in the name of Christ. Amen.